If you have your Bibles this morning, go with me to John chapter 1. Somebody asked me earlier today if I've taken up boxing uh, because my left eye is a little bit swollen today. i got a little bit of conjunctivitis going, so if I don't shake your hand today, it's because I love you, okay? Uh, not because I'm being unsociable or anything like that. Aliens have not abducted me or anything like that, okay? It'll be all right. But John chapter 1, uh, the legendary football coach by the name of Lou Holtz, says that there are three questions that people ask before they're willing to follow you as a leader. And everywhere you go, people are asking, usually unconsciously, these three questions. Can I trust you? Are you committed? And do you care? And Holt says that before people will really follow you as a leader, people need to know the answer to those questions. Now, I find that, the, that people often ask these same questions about God. Can I trust God? Is God committed to my well-being? Does God care? You know, Christmas time is my favorite time of the year. There's just so many wonderful things associated with Christmas, wonderful uh, activities around my household. Christmas is kind of a month-long celebration, and so we just try to find everything that's free and, and go and celebrate uh, Christmas together as a family. And I love the traditions. I love the fun. Paul, earlier in the service, was talking about Old Town Christmas here and how over 400 people came through the Christmas uh, play that we did there and enjoyed it. And then one of the things that really encouraged me was 150 volunteers doing everything from standing out in the cold as a wise man to baking bread for people on Old Town Christmas nights and 150 different people in our church uh, fellowshipping together and all the fun that takes place whenever the church comes together around a holiday like Christmas. But this is also a time of the year where people are thinking more about God. And Christians are asking around Christmas time, can I trust him? Is he committed? Does he care? And seekers, those who might not go to church that often, but come Christmas time, you're here. You may have a lot of questions about God, and some of those questions are, can I trust him? Is he committed? Does he care? Well, in John chapter 1 and verse 1, we see a New Testament counterpart to Genesis chapter 1, where the scriptures begin with these words, in the beginning, and then the Bible says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Now, it's important for you to understand right here that that word, word, capitalized there, is referring to Jesus. Sometimes people think that that's referring to the Bible, but if you look at the context of the passage, it's obviously referring to Jesus. So in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Verse 2, he was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. Life was in him, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness. And yet the darkness did not overcome it. Now drop down to verse 9. The scriptures say the true light who gives light to everyone was coming in to the world. The true light who gives light to 
everyone, and underline that word under everyone if you're an underliner, the true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. A few years ago, our family went down to Austin to visit some friends. We used to live in Austin, so we went down there to see friends, and McKenna was about two years old at that time, and so we were staying in a hotel, and you know one of the great things you do whenever you stay in a hotel is you go down to the hotel swimming pool, right? So uh, we all went down to the hotel swimming pool, and McKenna, I never will forget it, she was just learning to get used to water, and so she came out with her, her little floaties on both arms, and she had the big mask that went over her entire face. I think she even had a snorkel, uh, and you know, she was, she was you know, walking out there to the pool, just having a good time, and I was in the pool, and what we were trying to get her to do was to jump from the side of the pool into my arms. So that's a big deal whenever you're two years old. So daddy's in the pool, and and McKenna's up there above me, and I'm like, okay, come on, McKenna, and she would kind of be a little hesitant, but then finally, you know, she jumped into the pool, and and naturally I caught her, and then she was like, again, 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 and we did that over and over and over again. But now, could you imagine that here's this little two-year-old girl uh, sitting there with her daddy in the pool, and I say, jump, McKenna, jump, McKenna, and she has the courage to jump, but instead of catching her, I move out of the way and let her fall into the water. Hmm, water's kind of cold, isn't it there, babe? Huh, can you swim? Huh, now what kind of father would I be? I would be a horrible father, wouldn't I? I mean, that would, I would not get the Father of the Year award at all. I, I'm hurting. Some of you guys are like, that's what my dad did. That's right. Yeah, that's why you're the way you are. Okay, but, uh, you know, therapy will help you, all right? But, uh, you know, I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm her father. I, I was there for her in the beginning. Uh, I love her. To, to some extent, she's created in my image. She, she has my DNA, and so I care about her, and because I care about her, I, I want her to know that I trust her. I want her to know that I, I've been there for her, I, I am there for her, and I will be there for her. You ask the question, does God trust me? Can I trust God? And the answer to that is absolutely. God says, I am your father. I have been there in your life since the beginning. I knew you before you were ever born. You can trust me. You are created in my image. You are valuable to me. You see, Jesus didn't come into existence in Bethlehem. Sometimes we get this idea in our minds that God the Son began his existence there in Bethlehem, but the Scriptures say in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You are not an evolution of randomness. The Scriptures say all things were created through Him, and apart from Him was not one thing created. Your life is a gift from God. The Scriptures say life was in Him, and that life was the light of men. So you can trust God. He is a loving Heavenly Father. He created your life and gifted your life with meaning and purpose. He created your life to have impact and to make a difference today and for all eternity. Your Heavenly Father is there to catch you. You can trust Him. Back in September, I had the joy of 
doing one of my dream hikes. I enjoy backpacking about once a year, try to get out and do some backpacking. And so on my bucket list was Wonderland Trail up in Mount Rainier National Park. And so a couple of guys from here and I, we, we went up to Mount Rainier National Park and we were all excited about this once in a lifetime hike, some of the most beautiful country you'll see in all the world. Unfortunately, whenever we got there in September, the temperatures for the entire week were going to be somewhere between the upper 20s and the lower 40s. That's pretty cold. That's about as cold as it was early this morning. And not only was it cold, but it was wet. So it's cold and it's raining. And I never will forget that first night after we land and we get to the park and we're, we're unpacking all of our gear. It's 31, 32 degrees, it's wet, we're, we're putting up our tents, we're away from Texas, the great nation of Texas, and as we're putting up our tents, I realize, you know, I'm going to be sleeping on the ground for the next few nights. It's cold outside, there's no restaurant, there's no electricity, we're going to be eating out of bags, and I asked myself a question, how committed am I to this? You know, how much does this really mean to me because this is not very comfortable right now. You know, uh, commitment in life always takes you through some discomfort. If you want to have financial health within your family, it's going to take you through some discomfort. You're going to have to say no to some of the spontaneous spends in order to say yes to a financial plan that will allow you to have stability. If you want to have physical health in your life, it's going to take you through some discomfort. You're going to have to exercise. You're going to have to work your muscles. You're going to have to work your heart. You're going to have to get out and exercise if you want to have physical health. You're going to have to say no to some things. You're going to have to put the N-O back in eggnog. You're going to have to take the I out of pie. You know, you're going to have to say no to some things if you're going to have physical health. If you want to have spiritual health, it's going to cause some discomfort along the way. There's going to be times where you have to wait on God and his timing. There's going to be times where you have to persevere through trial and allow God to stretch you and grow you and put you through sessions of discomfort so that you can be mature within your spirit. The scriptures say in verse 9, the true light came into the world, or the true light was coming into the world. And then if you look at verse 12, the Bible says, the word became flesh and took up residence among us. Now, what that means is that Jesus moved in next door, okay? That vacant house, okay, Jesus moved into the neighborhood. The word became flesh. Now, remember, the word was with God and the word was God in the beginning. So this eternal the eternal son, the word became flesh, and he took up residence among us. The literal Greek terminology there is that he pitched his tent among us, and we observed his glory, and the glory as the one and only, so from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus left his home. Jesus took on flesh. Jesus pitched his tent, he left the heavenly amenities, and he lived among us. Now picture this, the king of kings, 
the Lord of Lords. The one who was there when all things were created. The body of a baby lying in a manger, shivering in the night cold. Tim Hawkins, the Christian comedian, says that some of our Christmas songs have a little bit of irony in them. You think of the great Christmas song, A child, a child, shivering in the cold. Then what's the next line? Let us bring him silver and gold. How about a blanket and some soup, you know? I mean, the poor kid shivering in the cold. Give him a blanket, then give him the silver and gold, all right? But you think about Jesus and all that he left lying in the manger. When you see the baby lying in the manger, you cannot deny that God is absolutely committed to your well-being, to your redemption. God is absolutely committed to bringing grace near, to doing for you what you could never do for yourself. And if you have any lingering doubts as you look at the cradle, then look at the cross and your doubts will disappear. There is no doubt that God is totally all in, committed to your redemption, to your well-being. You say, okay, so I can trust God because he's my father. He's known me before I was ever born. He, I am created in his image. I am special to him, so I can trust him. And I know that God is committed because he sent his son. But how about this? Does he care? Does he care about me because I'm not perfect. There's a lot about me that's not very lovely. Does God care about me? Well, look at verse 9 again. The true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Now, that word everyone comes from a Greek word pas, which means each, every, any, all, the whole, everyone. Now, it may also refer to groups of people. So he gives light to everyone, could refer to the Hebrews, the Jewish people, uh, the Gentiles. Everyone could be the Americans, the Asians, the Europeans, the North Poleans, everyone. The true light was shining for them. Now, what did God do? He sent his son and he shined his light into the darkness for everyone. Now, go back in your minds to the book of Genesis. In Genesis, there is an event called the Tower of Babel there in Genesis chapter 11. And the Bible says that at Babel, God confused the languages and dispersed his people throughout the world. And so from there, we have a, a division of the people in different languages, uh, in different geographical areas. And then in Genesis chapter 12, you have the call of Abram, whose name was later changed to Abraham. We sometimes refer to him as Father Abraham, had many sons. You remember Abram? And through Abram, God makes a covenant that he will build up a great nation, and God begins revealing his plan through this one man. Now, when we come to the book of Exodus, Abraham's descendants are now in slavery there in Egypt. We have the birth of a man by the name of Moses. 
Moses becomes one of the great liberators the world has ever known. And he liberates the people out of slavery there in Egypt. And from him we have the formation of the nation of Israel. And God continues to reveal his plan through the nation of Israel to humankind. Then we have the prophets come onto the scene. And you have men like Jonah and Nahum and Isaiah and Daniel. And these prophets reveal to us that God's light is not just to this one nation, Israel, but that God's light is to be to everyone, that God cares about all people. Then Jesus comes onto the scene, and at his birth, the angels proclaim things like good news for all people. John says the light was coming into the world for everyone. Jesus says in John chapter 8 and verse 12, he says, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In Matthew 28 and 19, before Jesus ascends to heaven, he gathers his followers around him and he says, go and make disciples of all nations. Men, we are going global here. I'm going back to my Father, but I am sending you out to share the gospel news, to share the light with all people groups, with all nations. You continue going and you continue sharing the gospel till everybody has heard. You see, one of the great themes of Jesus' life is that the true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. It was vital to the message of Christ that you matter to him, that God cares, that the light was not just for a select few, but that the light was for everyone. Think about the people that were shown the light of Christ there at the birth. Think about the shepherds in the fields. Now, a shepherd's job was not a a high-paying job. The shepherds were not the prominent of society. In fact, these shepherds out in the fields were probably not even would probably not even be allowed into the temple because they would have been unclean. They were considered dirty, poor individuals. And so here they are out in the fields, no doubt upset because they had to work Christmas. So they're out there working Christmas, bummed about it. Not very entertaining job. Hey, That sheep just moved from there to there. Wow, that's exciting work. So they're probably surfing their cell phones. You know, they probably all had stories. Isaiah, he used to be an engineer until he was laid off by Jerusalem Instruments. The only job he could find was watching sheep. You got Elijah over here. He was a star football player, but then he flunked out of Bethlehem Community College. So now he's watching sheep. And you got Uncle Silas. He used to be a soldier, fought with Julius Caesar. Now he's just a shepherd. So here they are out in the field watching the sheep, the lowliest of society. They're Jewish, but they're not welcomed amongst the Hebrew elite. And then the glory of God, the light of God, shines around them and proclaims to them 
the good news that they are welcomed at the manger. And so they leave their flocks and they pursue the lamb. Now, they didn't pursue the lost lamb. They pursued the one that John the Baptist says, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And they went in pursuit of the lamb. Now, I also think of the wise men. Now, the wise men were a long way away from God. The wise men were not the Jewish elite. The wise men were not even the Jewish fringe. The wise men hadn't grown up in the temple. They were very likely Gentiles. They didn't necessarily consider themselves to be God's people. They weren't churchgoers. They didn't have a fish on the back of their chariot. They probably were into some things that were not very Christian. May have been into astrology, perhaps even black magic, perhaps Zoroastrianism. They certainly didn't have all the answers. We sometimes look at the wise men as though they were these great theologians, but it's likely that they had more questions than answers. But the true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world and God shined his light through the star into their darkness. And what did they do? They followed the light. And when they come to the baby Jesus, even though they don't have all the answers to their questions, they perhaps didn't even know the the totality of their journey, they say, we have come to worship him. Question for you. If you had to put yourself into the nativity scene, which character would you be? Which character would you be in the nativity scene? Would you be Mary and Joseph standing behind the manger? They're right in the center of God's will, and and that might be where you are in your life right now. You might be actively pursuing the will of God in virtually every area of your life. And so if you were to look at the manger scene, you say, Lash, I, I am sold out for God right now. I, I am the Lord's servant. And when I see the nativity, I'm Mary and Joseph. That's who I relate to the most. Now, some of you might relate more to the shepherds. You're more out on the fringe. You say, it's really hard for me to realize that God cares about me because I've been through some things in my life, and I don't necessarily fit the model for what a church person should be, but I'm here, I'm I'm worshiping, I believe in Jesus, but I'm kind of out on the fringe. And some of you might even say, well, I relate more to the wise men. I have a lot of questions. I I don't understand everything. I don't really consider myself to be a church person. I've never really even thought about the fact that God loves me. So that's who I relate to the most. One of the greatest truths of Christmas is that the manger is for everyone. The manger is for Mary and Joseph in the center of God's will. The manger is for the shepherds who grew up in the shadow of the temple, yet were often considered some of the fringe of society. The manger is for the wise men who were a long way from God, who still had a lot of questions but were willing to follow the light. The manger is even for the sheep and the cattle around the manger scene because God also came to redeem his creation. The manger is for everyone. Grasp this for just a second. God cares about you. He loves 
you so much that he sent his son. And the scriptures say, so that whosoever believes in him may not perish, but have everlasting life. God cares about you. God's committed to your well-being. God is totally trustworthy. He has shown that on the pages of Scripture. He has revealed that to us through our lives. And if God is trustworthy, if God is so committed that he sends his own son, if God is so caring that he's willing to live amongst us and die for us, then perhaps I should believe in him. Perhaps I should step into the light myself and follow him. You see, of all the gifts of Christmas, the greatest gift that you can receive is the gift of Christ. In fact, he is the gift of Christmas. And so I ask you this morning, has there ever been that time in your life when you received the gift of Christmas? When you received Christ as your Lord and your Savior? We call that in the church being saved. You say, well, Asha, that's me. I, there's never been that time. I've, I've never truly bowed the knee and received Christ. What do I need to do? Well, the Scriptures teach us that we need to admit our sin. Admit the reality that you are not God, that you have done things which are wrong. Ask God for His forgiveness. The Scriptures teach us that we are to believe in Christ. For whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So believe in Jesus Christ. Believe that he is the Son of God, that he lived the life that you could never live, that he died on the cross for your sins, that he rose again so that you might have life eternal. Believe in him. Place your faith in him. You say, I still have questions. That's okay. Faith doesn't eliminate all questions but faith trust. It takes that jump from the side of the pool and says, I am trusting in you. I am believing in you. You are my Lord, that you are my Savior. And commit your life, see, to following him. Follow the light. It'll be a great journey. You may be like the wise men, not know exactly where the light's leading you, but follow it. Pursue the Lamb. And you'll find yourself growing spiritually. You'll find your life having meaning today. You'll find your life connected to something that lasts for all eternity. Has there ever been that time in your life where you received the gift of Christmas? If there hasn't, then I hope today will be that day. Would you be so kind as to stand with me, please, as we bow our heads and we come to a time in the service that we call the time of commitment? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, and I want to invite you this morning, if you're that person that says, I, I need to receive the gift of Christmas, I, I need to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior, right where you are, I, I want to invite you to call out to God. Just call out to Him and say, Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner. I have done things which are wrong. And I need your forgiveness. I believe in Jesus Christ today. I accept the gift of your Son and I believe in Him 
He is my Lord. He is my Savior. And I commit myself right now to following you. Lord, please shine your light into my life and direct my ways. I invite you to pray that prayer in the name of Jesus. If this morning was the first time you've ever stepped into the light and you received Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to know about it. I won't embarrass you in any way. I, I just want to celebrate with you. I'll be here at the front. And during this next song, you can come and share with me. Last day, I, I was saved. I received that gift. I'll be here after the service. You can tell me then. But please share with me that you took that step. There are others here this morning. Christmas means a lot of different things to you. Christmas should remind us that God does care, that God has been totally committed, and that we can trust Him. And because of that, we worship Him today as our Lord. Father, we thank You so much for the gift of Christmas, and we thank You, Lord, that the light has been sent into the world for everyone. Father, no matter where we are on our journey, we are never outside of the reach of your love. And we thank you for that. And we pray that we might live our lives pursuing the Lamb, that we might live our lives worshiping you, because you are the true meaning of Christmas. Beyond the traditions, beyond the fun, beyond the joy of seeing family, you are the reason why we celebrate. And we're so thankful that the light shined into the darkness for all. In Jesus' name we pray and worship. Amen.